Today we're with Gary St. Ledger, uh, head coach of Connor Martial Arts, uh, three-time U.S. national champion in judo, three-time Pan American champion, uh, Olympic alternate for the U.S. Olympic team. Uh, Gary, thanks for talking to us today. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, so, I have three Pan Am medals, but I wish I was Pan Am champion. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. closer than it's, it's, most people, though. Hey, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I, I keep it humbled. You know, it, it, it's you know when you look at sports like judo and jujitsu and any sport, you know. There's nothing more humbling than getting your ass kicked. So, you know, there's always going to be, you, you always have to deal with the idea there's always someone better than you are. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Well, he was, he was even going to, we were going to bring it up later. There's mm -hmm. a, maybe just, we'll just bring it up now. It's a Khabib quote about how judo, like, there's something <laughs> more class in judo than other sports. There seems to be a humble, like a humility element uh -huh. in judo that maybe you probably won't get in modern jujitsu or uh -huh. boxing or MMA. Oh, uh, so you're talking about that, uh, that, Kayla that, Harrison. that uh, the one that, the, the um, so is that conversation that, uh, Kayla Harrison brought up in front of Khabib and Henry Cejudo, uh, and, Henry Cejudo and he asked him a question. He's like, uh, so Khabib, which one do you think is better wrestling or judo? And Khabib's answer was he loves wrestling, but judo is class. Yeah. And, uh, when it comes to that. What I will say is, and, and this is kind of the reason why I started my judo program, and I went back to doing my judo, and, and you know, of course I have jujitsu here in the school, but um, there's something that judo gave me that I took with me for the rest of my life. It was a level of dignity, uh, camaraderie, the friendship that I get in this sport is next to none. Like, I still am very good, close friends with a lot of people that I've actually competed against, people that I've beaten. Some some of them have beaten me. Some of them, uh, shoot, I went to one guy, he beat me, and I went, and years later, I went to his, he asked me to come to his wedding, and I went to his wedding, you know? So, you know, it's always been like that. I also have another friend of mine who, uh, Colton Brown, you know, we've, uh, he's a two-time uh, U.S. Olympian for 2016 and 2021, uh, and the last one that just happened, him and I used to go back and forth, and um, our last meeting was in the national championships in 2013, and I beat him right, um, you know, in our last meeting, and, um, but he went on to win, to make two Olympic teams, and uh, the beauty for that, for me, is that he never took it personal, and that's the thing about a lot of the, um, athletes that are training in judo they don't take it completely personal you know if you beat me or i beat you that day it doesn't necessarily mean that we have animosity towards one another mm -hmm. it just means like this is what it was mm -hmm. all right and then after the match we can sit back and have a beer mm -hmm. you know and it's and and it still seems to be that way now you know there's a tournament going on in uh, Tbilisi, Georgia right now and there was so many athletes that were training together but at the same time there's those same athletes that were training together are now competing against mm -hmm. one another and you know they can come off the mat and be like damn you got me today you know what one day I'm gonna get you but yo let's go have this beer you know let's go out tonight you know how do you think judo cultivated that culture throughout all the years I, I think it's um, th that true responsibility that was passed on from black belt to black belt that Jigoro Kano, the founder of judo, uh, had. He he was a firm believer in passing on knowledge and compassion and uh, developing a type of culture that everyone understands that no matter how bad the world can be, there's an opportunity to improve. And... Um, you know, I try to make sure I develop that here in, this, in, in, in my school in kind of martial arts because, you know, I've watched my coach who, uh, who Parnell Legros, you know, he's still my coach, he's my mentor, but I've watched him help so many other people on and off the map. Mm -hmm. And um, I've watched a lot of parents who had their own issues uh, trying to get their kids to be in judo. And they, were, they were afraid to... Uh, they were afraid because they thought that it might be too expensive. My coach mm -hmm. would find a way to get them in there. And you would watch this same kid that didn't have the means to be in judo. My coach would go above and beyond to get them to stay there. And you would watch the kid develop into 
not a good judo player, but a great person. And that alone right there speaks volumes. And parents, you could see parents, the, the change in the kid, you know, that kid may have once never spoke up. Now he has self-esteem and confidence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, I was that kid too. Because I was very quiet. I didn't speak up as much. Now I wish I could shut the huddle up. <laughs> so then, so why, why did you, uh, what made you start training judo? So, because you're uh, from Brooklyn. Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, born and raised in Brooklyn. And um, what happened was, uh, you know, listen, when, when you're from another culture, like my, my family's from Haiti. Okay. My parents were working all the time. It was always great, you know. I was always out and about, going swimming, doing all these different things, playing basketball. But my parents saw that this Haitian guy was opening up a judo program uh, in the neighborhood. And right then and there, they were like, oh, we, we heard that he's Haitian. You know what? Let's go see him. <laughs> and as soon as they had a conversation, they were like, here, take my kid. I'm going to work. Mm. You know, so that was pretty much it. But what happened was in my neighborhood, it was an after-school program that started first. And when I walked into the school, uh, well, it was, a, it was in one of the, it was in a middle school in a cafeteria. When I walked The training in, was in a cafeteria. It was in a cafeteria. Oh. Yeah, it was in a cafeteria. But the thing is, is that they had mats everywhere. At so, the so every day we would have to pick up the mats. I mean, we'd pick up the, uh, the, um, the um, cafeteria tables. Mm -hmm. We would mop up, clean up the mat, uh, the, the floors, you know, you know, there might be milk cartons, whatever trays on the ground so we pick up all of that and then we would take out the mats put them on the ground and every single day it's up down up down up down we're stacking up the mats cleaning up the floors but what it was is that everybody worked together mm. and uh, it was you know it's a humbling experience but as a kid i didn't realize that i just saw it as oh we're just helping okay but for you know doing that and doing that with your friends and kind of creating that community over and over and over throughout the years you understand how important it is to make sure that you're not by yourself. Mm. You can't do it. You can't do any projects that are meaningful by yourself. You need quality people, not just anyone. You need quality people around you. So then you also started training with your brother, too. Yeah. Your twin brother at the same time. Yeah, I have an identical twin brother. So, you know, he's my brother. That's you know, that's it, man. That's him and I. Whenever we had the opportunity, we trained together. You know. It, I think I was very lucky because I can say I had a training. I have a training partner for life. Yeah, you know, same size, and you know, going over there. And oddly enough, when we were younger, we weren't necessarily close, but our judo club was big enough that we both had our own friends, mm -hmm. and we would go on trips. And he would play in his corner with his friends. I'd be in the corner with my friends, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, we always we we never fought. We we rarely fought with each other. But you know, my that that atmosphere uh, that my coach created for us was everything mm -hmm. you know it helped me graduate from high school graduate college travel around the world and it just made me understand that the world is a lot bigger than where i was living mm. well so jen says and last night he was like you know i don't know if you agree with this but when you have a brother especially if, like you're doing martial arts at a young age he was saying how if you're growing up with a brother especially doing martial arts you end up becoming kind of like a competitor for life because you're so used to being in the same house as a competitor like you're um, just constantly training competing. even when you're not training alright um Do, would you agree with that no 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 sometimes my coach he kind of embellishes that, that story a little bit he says oh you know my brother and I used to sit there and fight about who had the <laughs> no. most trophies and that's not necessarily true yeah we actually whenever we so when we were kids right Marketing <laughs> yeah, right. So what what happened is, is that when we were younger, um, my brother and I used to be in the same weight class. We weight close to the same amount of weight. Okay. All right. So what would happen is, is that uh, he would be on one. You know, we would see the pool sheet, and sometimes the you know the tournament would have us on the same side of the bracket, and he said, "That's my brother." So they'll put me on the bottom of the bracket. Mm. They'll keep on top of the bracket. And what would happen is that we would go through the through the weight class and mm -hmm. end up meeting in the middle. And we would end up in the finals. And when we would end up in the finals, we'd have a decision. Did you win the last tournament? Okay, so I guess it's my turn. So we were comfortable with that idea. So we never really fought with each other. You know, it's, it's funny because my parents... Uh, 
always said that um, when people would ask them, did Gary and Harry ever get in trouble? Do they fight with each other? My parents would always answer people and said they were training and going to school all the time. They didn't have any time time to get in any trouble or fight with each other yeah they were too tired <laughs> hmm, too tired yeah yeah i knew this i knew this uh i was changing jiu-jitsu back in college mm-hmm. there's these two guys super good they're high level competitors jiu-jitsu but the coach wouldn't put them together because whenever they would train together and fight mm-hmm. all of a sudden apparently they would start throwing shit around the room because they were like twin brothers too yeah, yeah. and they would get really pissed get, off one get, another. so that that is true yeah have that you seen that I, that is true with my brother. Oh, okay. So you on, on the mat, though. On yeah, the mat. Yeah, yeah. So, but very rarely. So, we had enough kids. There were enough students that we didn't have to go anywhere near each other. Okay. But there are a couple of times where we did get with one another, and it's like a, a clash of shins, a clash of head, and my brother goes, come on, you know, spaz. I was like, hey, 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 hey. You know, like, you don't got, we don't got to be like this. This yeah. is the heat of the battle, you know, so... You know, if it was someone else, you might have, like, brushed it off. But now it's me. It's like you think you're taking it personally. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my brother and I, that would probably be the only time where we might have, like, a, you know, these moments where it might get a little competitive. Yeah. But other than that, I see. we're good. So yeah. you've been training judo consistently since you were a young kid. Yes. So it was already set you're going the judo route for the rest of your life? Um, You know what? I think it wasn't set. I think it was just one of those things where I was so in love with it that I just like hopped on the bandwagon and that was it for me because I was eight years old when I started, nine years old, going to all these competitions, 10 years old. Oh, we're going on a trip? Where we're going? Okay, we're going to Connecticut. We're going to Maryland. You're going on bus rides with your friends. Every week, like almost every weekend, there's something to do. There's always a competition. Like judo and jujitsu, they don't really have an off season. There's always a competition available. So my coach was finding competitions all the time. And then by the time I was 12, I had already competed in Puerto Rico, Barbados, going to these locations and, you know, having these exhibition matches and team competitions all around the United States. And I'm sitting there like, oh, this is great. This is fun. And then by the time I was 15 years old, I'm fighting for the U.S. team mm-hmm. uh, in my first competition. And that's when, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you know Ronda? That was the first competition. Mm-hmm. I was 15 years old. And I remember Ronda being there. And she actually couldn't compete because she had beaten, beat so many girls, but she was underage. So they would not let her compete oh, and wow. 15 to 16 years old. Okay. So she had, like, she lost her mind. She was throwing things. But that was my first time fighting for the U.S. team. And, you know, that, like I said, like, when you're 15 years old, you're not having the same, and you're traveling around the world, you're not having the same conversations with other 15-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then, so, so then you kind of were just, I don't want to say going with the flow, mm. but you kind of were just having a good time and just kind of rolling with it then. Yeah, I was kind of rolling with it. And, and, and then know, one day you woke up and then you were just on the U.S. national team. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, it was a complete blur. I feel like judo is, I don't, in reality, I will say this, that I don't think, as a kid, I had a good time, I had an amazing time, but I don't, I may have taken it for granted. I've gotten a lot of, I've made, I've gotten to know a lot of amazing people mm-hmm. along the way, and I never took it for granted, but I wish I appreciated it a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like it's uh, for me, it's been a beautiful sport. You know? uh, appreciated judo as a young child, or just appreciate your childhood more? Uh, both. Both. Yeah, both. You know, you kind of grow up a little bit older when you're when you're 15 years old, and you're being told, "Hey, you just made a U.S. team. Now you're going to this location. People are paying for you. You don't realize, oh, this is yo, this is real. Yeah, you yeah. better you better get your act together. You know, like." Yeah. Okay, that doesn't mean that, okay, you're going to go play around in the streets and then get ready to go in a competition. No, you got to get make sure that you are at the gym at this time, ready to train. You're, I don't care if you're 15 years old. Now yeah. you're an adult, and I'm not going to sit here and talk to you like a kid. You so, know? so you didn't have a normal childhood? No, no, I did not have a normal childhood. I did not. No. Do you ever wish you'd had a normal childhood or not? No. Not at all, not at all, not at all. I think it, it shaped me to be the person I am, and I you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to understand how important it is to give back to. 
know. So, so you said you weren't having kids, these conversations with other fifteen year olds. So then, did it even kind of? Didn't I don't want to say isolate you, but you know the period where people were like, uh, was it hard making friends, even at your age when? Mm, I wouldn't say it wasn't hard making friends because I think I started to grow into my own. Okay. I was just like a, but the thing is, is that I was surrounded by a lot of older people. Okay. So th those guys used to look after me and. You know, I'd go on these trips, and I was surrounded by other judo players. Mm -hmm. So I might have been in, you know, a, a play. I used to go to Florida. I used to be in uh, Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton a lot. Okay, for training, competing? For, for competing and training. Okay. And uh, I was around other teenagers, but they were just as competitive as I was, too. Mm -hmm. So we could, we could relate. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you made your friends like that. And then, you know, you're, you're trading stories. You're training together. You know, like, that was cool to me. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the ones I can relate to. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I were here, you know, or we're going to, you know, if I'm back at home in Brooklyn and I, I've been training the whole, for, you know, for the whole month. And yeah. then they're like, hey, we're going to a rollerblading thing or we're going to this house party. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, no, nah, I'm good, guys. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Though. But I'm a, I got work to do. You know, so, so what other sacrifices did you have to make? Um, as a 15-year-old kid uh, doing judo, I was competing at uh, 160 pounds, but I was walking around at like 5'10". Five, five, so I, I never really experienced what it was really like to cut a lot of weight okay. until I... From fifteen to six, from fifteen all the way to about nineteen years old, I was cutting weight. Like it was getting very real. Like I was like, "Yo, you're growing. You can't maintain this." <laughs> like you're, you're, you know. At first, at fifteen, I was like, "Okay, I'm about 155 pounds. Okay, I'll, I'll make the weight. I'm be fine." Yeah. All right, seventeen. Oh, you're getting a little heavy, buddy. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, all right, time to go for a jog. Time to go start doing this. Eighteen, nineteen. I'm Let's move on. 18 over. Yeah. You know, I'm 18 over. You got three weeks to make this competition to get down to 160. Hey. Same, yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Now you're sitting there, you know, got to cut out this meal. Forget about this. Forget about your favorite candies. Forget about your favorite, you know, your pasta and your, all this. No, you got to start eating right. So yeah. you never got to enjoy the high school metabolism. No, you know, like it was just, it was just crazy to me, you know. Like the idea that I, I was a young kid sitting there going to uh, I remember being in uh, high school and I was I had to go I was going ready to go to lunch and somebody would ask me hey are you you're not gonna eat I was like, uh, cannot yeah it's like yeah I gotta be careful man it's like what do you mean it's like you're, you're, you're gonna understand yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they have football in Brooklyn yeah, of course they have football. Yeah, all the football players and basketball players they can do whatever they want. Right? Yeah, they, yeah, but they're oh, they're constantly burning calories, yeah. running up and down that court, you know. But you know, when you're doing a competitive uh, combat sport where it's only it's one on one, yeah, you know, you got to make that weight class. You know, if they tell you, I remember hearing stories about how some of the girls who are young trying to make a weight class, they have to shave their head just a, a couple, yeah, cut a couple of pounds. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You know, like in jujitsu. For jujitsu, you weigh in with the gi. Yeah. Judo, you don't weigh in with the gi. Mm -hmm. You know, so every gi is a different. You know, every gi manufacturer, there's a different weight. You know, so if you sit there and you put on a gi, and you get on that scale, what your opponent has might be a light, a, a, a light gi. Yeah. They made the weight easy. And you, you're sitting there wearing this thick double weave durable gi, but that thing is like an extra two pounds. Now you sit there, you're cutting weight mm. few, maybe about a half an hour before your actual fight. Yeah. That's one battle that you, there's two battles that you have to deal with. The one of you losing the weight and the other one is of you fighting with your opponent. <laughs> so. so so then what do you think, what do you think are the, between someone who's gone, someone who's also black belt in jiu-jitsu, um, what do you think is the biggest difference between someone who's path, and this can go from international too, not just America. Mm -hmm. Someone's path from judo to elite judo compared to jiu-jitsu, like to elite jiu-jitsu. You think there's a difference in their paths? I don't. I don't think there's much of a difference. I think it's it's all about the mentality. You know, when it comes to uh, dealing with um, from the beginner stage and uh, being advanced in the elite, 
you have to pretty much sign that contract with yourself saying, mm -hmm. do you want to do this and do, how serious do you want to, how far do you want to go with it? Mm -hmm. Like, you need to really look yourself in the mirror and, and, and figure out whether or not, if you want to make that stage, if you want to cross that line to trying to become elite, you're going to have to make some serious sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Some people think that they're training hard and they think to themselves that they're getting ready to go, they're, they're going to make it big in a sport like judo or jujitsu. But a lot of people don't realize the true sacrifices that does come with uh, being at the elite level. Mm -hmm. You know, that means uh, eliminating, um, you know, uh, shoot, it could, mean, it could mean many different things. Eliminating friendships, mm. uh, uh, you know, um, relationships with girlfriends or a boyfriend, mm. uh, you know training schedule being the first one to leave the gym being the first one at the gym and being the last one to leave the gym mm -hmm. doing extra work you know a, a lot of people aren't willing to do these things uh change a diet you know mm. these are these are and, and these are very small things by the way these are very small things you know the big things are saying you know what i want to be one of the very best in the world Am I willing to get up and move and go train with the very best in the world to mm -hmm. help me get to where I need to be? Have you seen people who are actually really good at judo, but they're not willing to train with the best in the world? Shoot, I, you know, I, I can honestly sit here and tell you about myself. I, like, I've, I, I've, I've made my run. I always lived here in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and I only went to training camps, mm -hmm. but I wasn't, I, I you know, I, I can sit here and tell you myself that I didn't feel like you know, my parents were my everything. They, mm -hmm. They're the ones that gave me the opportunity to do this sport. Mm -hmm. You know, my coach gave me the opportunity, so I stayed extremely loyal to them. But my parents were also older, and I felt I had a responsibility to take care of them too. Mm -hmm. So you know, like I said, that, that's a that was a sacrifice I had to make for myself to take care of my parents instead of making judo above that. Some people are willing to go though, you know make the ultimate sacrifice and leave their family behind and go train somewhere else well I don't even mean that I mean from like an ego perspective people who are like they say they want to be the best mm -hmm. but like they're genuinely afraid to actually like put themselves in the constant oh uh, you know that <laughs> yeah you know it, yeah it happens it happens all the time you know and that, that e your ego is going to be your worst friend you know like no matter how many times you can sit there and say that you want to be the best, are you actually taking those same steps? Are you actually taking those steps? You know, people read about it, and what you're seeing more and more now is a lot of high-level athletes uh, going to a sports psychologists. You mm. know, like they're they're good, they're physically talented, they're technically sound, but their mind seems to have a mental crutch mm -hmm. and you're trying to sit there and it's like he kills me at practice but he can't seem to perform on this inside the cage mm -hmm. or he can't seem to perform on the mat what exactly is going on in that head yeah you know and 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 now you're starting to see a lot more athletes sit there and say you know what i need to talk to someone about that and mm -hmm. that that and people forget that is also a part of training mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be physical but it's also mental you know, um, when I was younger, uh, Jimmy Pedro, uh, the U.S. Uh, Olympic coach, he was the U.S. Uh, national coach, but he's also he was also one of the coaches that uh, helped me for many many years. And one of the things that he did was he had a um, a training camp at uh, the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, and it was a judo training camp. And there might have been maybe about 200 athletes there from United, around the United States and some international um, competitors. And I remember him, uh, you know, he set up this whole program of having um, us see what real strength and conditioning was like mm -hmm. and having us sit down in front of a sports psychologist. And I'm sitting there like, this is really what it means, huh? And it clicked. But, I, but the one thing that stood out to me was I remember the, the end of the training camp, Jimmy Pedro telling all the athletes to lay down flat on their back and close their eyes. And he asked that one question that still it burns a hole in my soul. He says, why the fuck are you here? Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I was like, did he just curse? <laughs> you know? And he says, why the fuck are you here? He says, do you want to just be here? 
to become an Olympic, uh, to make an Olympic team? Do you want to just win a national title? Do you want to just, like, what do you, what do you really want out of this sport? Because uh, you really need to make an, make a choice. Yeah. And when he was saying that, it, it just kind of stuck with me because I missed a couple of junior world teams, and those junior world teams meant a lot to me. And um, you know, I remember him saying, "Are you here to?" hang out with your friends because you're in the wrong fucking place. I was like, damn. I was like, he's talking some shit. <laughs> and I was like, and I heard him say that and and I made that decision. I was just like, yeah, I want to be good, man. I want to be great. I would I'd do whatever I got to do. If that means I got to, oh, I finished training and I got to cut some weight and I got to go run at 11, at 11 p.m. to go cut this weight. If I got to go do these things, if I got to stop eating this, I gotta, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes, you know. So, you know, and, and it helped me, you know. And even now, even though I'm an Olympic alternate, I'll never consider myself an Olympian. But I also understand that I had to go through ups and downs mm-hmm. in this journey for me to become the person that I am today. And that's important to me. But, but so, to, well, then do you think, from all from this psychological standpoint, so what do you think is the main difference between, from a mental standpoint, is it, the why you think it is why you're here? Yes. You think yeah. that's what separates yeah. the the point five percent from the point one percent? Yes, most definitely. You know, like um, you know, we're here in Kano, and you can see all the people that are on the wall. You know, and you know all these people that are on the wall right now. I always say that there's nothing that separates uh, the, there's nothing that separates us from each other except me- mentality. Mm. You know, the mentality that you have to be able to. Uh, to want to be great in a sport requires you to truly look deep down in yourself to say, you know, I want to do this and this is why I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like this will make me the very best version of myself. So what, what was your why? My why? My why was always, I, I had a burning desire to really want to prove something to myself. You know, I was a very shy kid. Uh, I always said to myself, I, w- I want to be good and I want to be recognized as being one of the very best mm. in the country. You know, uh, I've been lucky enough to fight in some really big places in Brazil and Paris and uh, Japan. And, and to, to sit there and say that I was one of the uh, best in the country meant something to me. Mm-hmm. You know, to, 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 to win three national titles and say I'm number one in the United States... It meant something to me because I couldn't, I I, I couldn't allow myself to just be just average. Mm-hmm. I could, I did not like that. I didn't like it. I was far too competitive for it. I see. You know, I was far too competitive. I couldn't just just be relaxed about it. So, like I said, like there were times where, you know, cutting people off was cutting people off felt bad, but it was the right decision to to make. Why would you have had a cut? You, you had to cut people off like from a friendship point of view? Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it, there, there are crutches that are there, you know, like, you know, uh, something that I like to say to the students is you got to talk to yourself nice. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, when it comes to being uh, an individual, not even, let's set aside sports. Okay. You know, um, the m- mental health is becoming more of a bigger um, conversation now. Absolutely. And, um, you know, um, if we learn how to speak better to other people as well as to ourselves, that not only promotes uh, better positive uh, thoughts, but better positive actions. Mm-hmm. And we make smarter decisions and we learn to take care of one another a little bit more. You know, we don't ever look at ourselves from other people's point of views or put ourselves in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that we just talk wildly and we shoot from the hip. Mm-hmm. But you know, being in this, being in a sport like this has taught me dealing with parents and dealing with students and dealing with other athletes. That you know, a, a lot of people will never, ever understand what you go through. But you have to take it with the, you know, you have to be mindful about what you say and how we speak to ourselves. You know, when I hear people say this person sucks or or I suck, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Just things are different. Mm-hmm. That's how you should look at it. Things are different for this person, you know. And you know, when it comes to it, I I've learned to I've learned to speak a little bit better to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this sport has give, allowed me to be a little bit more um, 
self-conscious about what I do in life. Well, you know, from an energy and mental perspective, it seems as someone, I haven't trained judo that long, but when you go to train judo versus jiu-jitsu, there seems to be a different, like jiu-jitsu, it can be relaxing, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems like when you're training judo, it's like, it feels like a fight. Yeah. Like from a real sparring session. Yeah, it's a real life fight. So how how important is that positivity, like enjoying the fight versus, hey, I'm going to fight, I got to fucking win this fight? So I think what happens is that... Um, when it comes to you know how you say it's a fight I think you have to accept the fact that you are fighting a losing battle but you have to keep on digging Mm. you know when you first start out anything you know from writing your name on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. you know when you're a kid that A looks fucked up (laughs) mine still looks pretty fucked up actually you know, but yeah. over time you sit there and you sit there and you're like, damn, I'm never going to get this A right. But you know what? I guess you keep on trying and then eventually you start having a little bit more coordination with your hands yeah. and you start making it look better. And, and that's, that's your technique. That's your technique. Mm-hmm. Same thing. When, you, when, we, when we roll, when we do judo throws, it's a constant uh, uh, refining of technique mm-hmm. over and over and over and over. And that's why I started doing the hundreds. Okay. You know, like... That's, that's, you know, a, a, a knife doesn't stay sharp all the time. It's something that you have to constantly keep on sharpening. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think the atmosphere that I wanted to create in here is one that says that it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want you to have fun failing. Mm-hmm. But I also want you to understand that you don't stop trying to reinvent yourself and trying to improve each and every time that you do fail. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can sit there and learn the technique and it goes out the window and that never works out. You like the technique, but you just like it's one ear and out the other. Yeah. But the reality is that when it's time to fight, do you have any of those tools? You've learned all these techniques. Did you actually use any of them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, come on. You know, I, I, I always look at everything as um. There's a every perfect meal has the right ingredients mm-hmm. just like the development of a of a athlete or some type of character they need to go through certain things and those ingredients are a piece of the puzzle to make it the perfect meal you know so you want to sit there and keep on working at it all the time you know you may miss something one day and then you may be good on another day you know what i'm saying but it's something that's constantly has to be refined the repetitiveness yes, the re- yeah. boring get you're born with yeah yeah, yeah. success it, is boring yeah <laughs> yeah that's okay <laughs> that's okay yeah. Yeah. So. See. so i have a question about judo yeah why should someone who's interested in martial arts choose judo over wrestling or jiu-jitsu um what could someone get out of judo that they might not get from other sports uh so the question was Oh, why would someone want to try judo first before they try jiu-jitsu or wrestling? Yeah, and what, what could they get out of judo that the other, other martial arts might not be able to offer? Um, you know, uh, I think what comes with uh, the sport of judo is that it's open to everyone. And there's a spiritual side as well as a very, besides the, well, you know, the, the physical side, right? <laughs> But there's a very spiritual side and a mental side that comes with it, you know. People love to say uh, it's about, um, you know, it's not about how many times you get put down, it's about how many times you get back up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you get thrown six times, stand up seven. That mentality of constantly working, 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 that repetitiveness that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. Man, there's nothing more gratifying than seeing all your hard work come to reality. Mm-hmm. You know, like you sat there and it was exhausting to do this. You're sitting there knocking out reps, knocking out reps, doing live rounds. This hurts, that hurts, and then now the time comes where the co- it's time to perform mm-hmm. at, uh, to your best of your ability, and you actually succeed. You realize it's a good thing I didn't miss that training session that day. You know, it's a good thing I didn't, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't let myself slack that day, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's also about the environment that you get into, you mm-hmm. know. Um, not everyone isn't, you know, I always look at it from many different perspectives. You have some people that were great athletes, 
but they were in the wrong home. They were in the wrong location. You know, and they didn't get a chance to they need they probably needed to be around that one person that mm-hmm. was going to open unlock some type of greatness in them. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's all it takes sometimes, you know. Like I see that happen with a lot of great athletes that just needed, you know, someone to talk to, you know. Like I've watched one of uh, a friend of mine um Phil Hawes, you know, a guy who kind of dealt with many different things who's in the UFC now. You know, you could see he he had an interesting past. And, you know, I watched him go from getting knocked out on the Contender Series in the UFC mm-hmm. to finally making the UFC and getting some ridiculous knockouts. Now he's fighting at the world-class level, and you see him performing at a high level. Mm-hmm. And you could see he got over something, you know. And I think he also was seeing a, a, a sports psychologist, you know, and you know, that that, that helps. But um, when, it, when it comes up to the sport of judo, I've, um, like I said, it's about the location that you're at, mm-hmm. you know, like many locations, they really do embody how important uh, the fighting spirit is to be able to fight on the mat as well as off the mat mm-hmm. and understanding how important it is to accept and welcome the person that's in front of you Mm -hmm. like um that mutual benefit that judo really truly has Mm -hmm. is saying that i don't want the person that comes in here that just wants to be the champion Mm -hmm. but i want the person that's going to come in and make everybody else champions too Mm -hmm. so you want to multiply that that uh that type of atmosphere and have you i mean have you seen it like have you ever seen because it seems like judo japanese culture is strict in general right have you ever actually seen like a a judo gym that does not embody that traditional culture. Like um, I don't want to say McDojo, but kind of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times. You know, every once in a while you just see that, and you know, they they truly they they really try their very best to um, to embody it. Okay. But you know, some sometimes you know that all they have is that fighting spirit. You know, okay. like I don't want to call it meatheadish, but you know, sure, that's sure. Just, that's just you know that's just what it is. You know, at the but, soul. Yeah, you know, yeah. but. You know, the, the, those those gyms like that, they do survive because they do cater towards a certain type of demographic. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might come in and, you know, they walk into my dojo and they'll see us bow to Jigoro Kano to one side like you do it as well. Mm-hmm. And then we'll bow to each other and they kind of look at it and they're like, uh, that's cringy. They're bowing to nobody or they're bowing. I was like, I had a student say, oh, he, you buying, you're bowing to an idol. It's like, no, this is called respect. Someone said that to you? Somebody said that. Somebody doesn't remember here. Yeah, he's Damn. bowing to an idol. I was like, uh, you know, I think that's where there's a lack of understanding. You, did you like, you didn't like that one, huh? I wasn't a big fan of it. No, mm-hmm. not at all. But, you know, everybody's going to have their different perspectives on these things. And when they come in. If it works out for them, it works out for them. If it yeah. doesn't, maybe this is not the atmosphere for you, you know what I'm saying? You know, but you know, when it comes to being able to accept a location, somebody's trying to make you better. Yeah. You know, there's some people that will never understand that someone's trying to help you. They're not trying to hurt you. You know, you got guys like uh, Faraz Sahabi who has opened the eyes of many great athletes like a George St. Pierre mm-hmm. and who and these guys are true martial artists mm-hmm. you know you have guys that you know I, I remember being in a gym in Brooklyn where I was teaching at a, 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 a mixed a mixed martial arts gym and I remember being in the corner and hearing the head instructor coaching and telling uh, the student fuck him up fuck him up I was like that's not going to save him. That's not going to help him. <laughs> Get up. Get up. No, that's not going to save anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and then you see how... That's like drunk UFC fan talk. Yeah, yeah. That's a casual. Yeah, yeah. That's a super casual. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if you're giving constructive uh, instruction, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's different, you know? Like, sometimes... And, and I, not only... Like, whenever I watch UFC fights or when I watch... Any type of matches, you know, where the person, where there's a, 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 a you know, there's a break and, and, you know, there's rounds and then the, the camera goes on to the, the fighter. I like listening to the coaches. Mm-hmm. I get the chance to listen to what they're saying. And you hear the intelligent side 
and then you also hear the side that's just talking crazy. Sure. But you, but you also see the te- the different coaching styles that say, you know what? I talk to this athlete this way, but I might talk to this athlete another way. Yeah. So you learn so many different things from seeing that, you know, and you know, it's you know, it it, it works for some people works for others you know but you know you gotta ask yourself which one fits for you <laughs> just because it looks good doesn't necessarily is good for you right yeah you know who so does it the best what do you mean like uh, cor- which corner yeah. man does it the best who does it the best I like I like Greg Jackson okay he's very calm you know he's, he's very calm when he talks um, I like Farah Sahabi as well um uh, Trevor Whitman, yeah. he's very good. He's very, very good. I like, I like his, uh, I like how he puts things together. Uh, James Krause is very good as well too. You know, these guys, they're not sitting and they're not talking wild. Um, uh, Eric Nixick from uh, Extreme Couture, he, these guys are fantastic guys. Like, you know, you see how they work with their athletes, and you could tell that they truly, truly put in their very best effort into this particular athlete and watching them grow and not just allowing them to just fall by the wayside by just oh yo you do this you're fucking up man you're doing no listen science. yeah there's a science to it you know yeah. and 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 when 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 you put it together it, it makes a world of difference like my coach was that guy i was lucky enough to have him i, I was even more i was even more lucky enough to have jimmy pedro who was who was i think He's, he's genius. I think, you know, I wish I had more time. I wish I, you know, in other circumstances, I wish I would have moved over to Massachusetts and stayed over there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched him develop so many great athletes from a Rhonda and a Travis Stevens and a Kayla Harrison and a Marty Malloy. You know, like, he did so many great things for all these athletes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just uh, getting on the map. That was enough. He knew it was more than just being on the map that was going to get them to become great athletes. You know? mm-hmm. Since we're talking about UFC, I have a question about judo to MMA. Mm-hmm. I feel like in wrestling, it's almost guaranteed after after college wrestling, you, you go into MMA. You know, that's yeah. the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Why don't a lot of top judo people go into MMA? The, the reason why, and I think my firm belief is the... At the highest level of judo, by the time that they're done, the body is mangled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been, it's taken too much of a beating. You know, like there are days that I'm struggling, <laughs> and I'm only, and, and and I still consider myself young. I'm 36 years old, but um, you know, I, I remember days where I was having a hard time getting out of bed. You know. Uh, I remember days where I couldn't barely turn my neck. Yeah. Uh, you know, having problems walking, hips are messed up, and you know, like I had my my brother, he's 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 cracked his hip. You know what I'm saying? And he wasn't even 21 yet. Oh, shit, I don't even think he was. What? He wasn't even cracked 19. His hip? Yeah. How do you recover from that? Yeah, it takes time. It's a lot of recovery. It's got to be one of the worst injuries to have, huh? Hip uh, injury? Hip, yeah, he was, he was in bad shape. You know, so looking at the x-ray, and the hip is like one is higher than the other, you know. Did he replace his whole hip? No, no. He's, he was fine. It wasn't as bad, but it was it was, it was was rough enough that he needed to be on on uh, crutches for a little while. Yeah. But, you know, like... From a throw? Yeah, from a throw. From him trying to go for a throw. So uh, he, got, he got hurt trying to attempt a throw. You know, I've set the leg yeah. trips. Yeah, like I've I've torn my pec, you know. Like uh, I've torn my pec. I've broken my hand a couple of times. You know, broken my fingers. You know, and these are just normal things that are just like, you know, what can I say? Like, but the thing is, is that those injuries are are compound. You know, they get worse. You see some of these guys. If you ever get a chance to watch some of these high-level jujitsu guys, you know, some of them are walking like. They've been already through the blunder. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They're just you know, they're walking side to side. You know, they're, they're they're not the same. And the thing about judo players is that at the highest level, they started very young. Yeah. So all those injuries Catch have been shooter. have been catching up with them. So the average age of like a judo player to truly retire is the most likely they they're probably retiring from high level 
competition probably in their late late twenties, and then they're, they're you know even Jimmy Pedro. I think Jimmy Pedro got his last Olympic medal, and he was considered one of the oldest competitors at the Olympic Games in two thousand four. He was thirty four years old. Yeah, so he was like, and he and he retired first. He <laughs> retired after two thousand, and then he came back for two thousand four. So that, that means he retired at 30 years old, and then he came back just to try to make the next Olympics. So where is this belief? Because uh, this doesn't sound stupid, but if you go on Reddit and people are like wrestling or judo, like for people after college mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. who didn't have a chance to wrestle in high school or college to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, I uh, learned judo because you can only wrestle so many years, but you'll see old, uh, old men mm-hmm. uh, who are doing judo. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's... I think that where the, there's a misconception that's there. Okay. You know, like um, it, like I said, I always say that it's about the location that you're going to be at. Okay. You know, you have a lot of uh, schools that have, and, and, and even in this school, I have guys that are, I have one guy that comes here every, you've seen Frank? Frank. Like, uh, Frank, he is always sitting on the side. Sometimes he's like, uh, he takes a, tw- like, he, t- he does private lessons with me at like uh, 1 o'clock, one okay. thirty. Every day? He used to, almost every single day. The guy's 75 years old, oh. you know what I'm saying? So he just does the fit-ins, and he just does the, uh, the the reps. Yeah. And then we might roll around on the ground, and that's because we have an understanding. I'm not gonna sit there and tell yeah. him to do a backflip, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, you can still comfortably do wrestling at a certain stage uh, of your life where you're not taking too much of a beating. Okay. Judo, you can do the same thing as well too. Jiu-jitsu, you can do the same thing as well. It's about your partners. It's about the partners that you have, you know, and, and that does matter, you know. You've been to a judo gym where, you hear about sometimes jiu-jitsu, like you go to a jiu-jitsu gym and you're an outsider and like they stick somebody on you. Oh, you know. Yeah. Is that what they so, do that in judo? Um, sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah, sometimes, most definitely. I believe it's important. I think it's important. Um, you know, you think uh, it's not, fair? I think I think it's fair. Okay. You know, you, you, every once in a while, people come in. They come into a dojo, and um, when they walk into the dojo, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. It's almost like that dojo storming idea, yeah. where I'm here to fuck shit up. Yeah, fuck shit up. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, okay. Like you know, somebody has to. Somebody has to truly, you know, if you recognize that the person that comes into your uh, into your dojo okay. is a visitor. And he's a big, stocky dude. All right, he's just visiting. Defend that the house. Dude, defend the house. The house. Have you heard? You said me say that before. That I've always, yeah, I've said that before in, in my school. Like you have to defend your home. You know what I'm saying? Have you had to defend your home? Of course, multiple times. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, multiple times at my own dojo in, in Brooklyn and, and in here too. You know, you have some people that come in. And they just they they don't necessarily have a care in the world. Yeah. And they may not may be members, but they may hurt your other members. Okay. That, that can one that can hurt your business. Yeah. Two that puts a, a, a aura and you know a, angry. A, a angry atmosphere so creates an angry no need for it. There's no need for it. You know what I'm saying? You know, in in this school, um, you know, my my goal is to see if I can create like this after school program for adults. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want everyone to come in and have a good time, train hard, work on technique, but at the same time, I have nothing but full-blown professionals. I consider them black belts in their field. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, they, they're the ones with families. They're the ones with businesses. They're the ones that's going to school. This is all, this is all a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these people, they, they come in and they want to learn how to be able to defend themselves. That's great, but there's a time and place. You know, if you want to become a high-level athlete, you know, that stage needs to start very early. Don't come in here 45 years old talking to me, talking about you want to be an Olympian. You know what I'm saying? Like, you missed out. You know what I'm saying? Maybe in the next class. Yeah, maybe in the next class. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be, let's, let's be realistic now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you come in as a white belt and you're talking about you want to go to the world championships for judo and then you've never watched judo. You've never taken, and then you're having a hard time coming to practice because you broke a nail you're doing the wrong sport buddy yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying like th- there has to be a, a there has to be a line drawn in the sand before you let people decide that they're going to come in here and then try to beat up on people and you know it, it also requires 
everyone needs to have the conversation and learning how to properly train. Sure. You know, like if I was trained, you know, you've probably heard these stories too of instructors beating the hell out of their students. <laughs> Listen, like how are you going to have a business if you're beating the hell out of your students? Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, like, unfortunately, I've, I heard, and this is, I haven't a, heard those stories. I've, I've heard, unfortunately, I've, unfortunately, there's a case of, I don't know where it was, but it was a young kid that died. I think he was in a coma and the instructor was, this was a judo school. And this was like across seas, and the guy was like sitting there throwing the hell out the kid. The kid would have to be, I don't know, in the range of like, I don't know, eight to ten or something like that. And he was sitting there throwing and throwing him, throwing him, throwing him, and the kid just, you know, collapsed. Yeah, it was like that was it for him, you know. Like, like you hear these situations, and you know, you have to be able to know how to properly train with people. If, if I'm going with a guy that's 65 years old who's out of shape. I'm not gonna throw them sky high to the fans. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna sit there and use foot sweeps, gently put him down, make sure he doesn't hit his head on the ground. Yeah, you know I gotta take care of my partners. You know I, I I'm a firm believer, and if you know how to train, everybody wants to train with you. Mm. But if you don't know how to train, people are gonna avoid you all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any good uh, defenders' house stories from like someone who? Is this respectful or um, just had it come in? So <laughs> you don't got a name drop, but you know. No, no, I won't name. No, I won't name drop. Not at all. I don't think it's necessarily a name drop, but I've had it. Not in 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 here. I think I have a few hammers that have definitely, okay. you know, that do the job well. Okay. But um, for myself, me personally, I've had this issue at Henzo's a couple of times. Someone walked into Henzo's. Yeah, someone. Yeah, two people. There were two people that walked into Henzo's, and you know. Um, like I said, I come from a... I always tell people, you know, I'm a judo guy that decided to do a little bit of jiu-jitsu. Sure. And, um, um... But people, you know, whoever I meet, it's like whenever I do live rounds with people, I don't I don't go, hey, what's up? Hey, just by the way, I'm a judo black belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'll, you're never going to catch that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, okay, there's an unwritten rule, an unwritten, uh, 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 you know, unseen conversation that happens... You know, we, you know, clap hands, bump fists, and then we see, I recognize the energy that's in front of me. Okay. All right? So, if I see it's a wild energy, then I'll turn it up a notch, too. Yeah. But if I recognize that you're not necessarily necessarily on my level, or, you know, you may not necessarily have the, the experience, then we're going to take it nice and slow. And, and, you know, I understand that you may not necessarily, you might be a blue belt, or you might be a yellow belt in judo or something. Then I understand you may not necessarily be as refined and as, as uh, safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be, you may, it may be a little bit chaos. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to accept that. But I remember being at Henzo's, and um, I think I was a purple belt, and uh, I was in John Donner's class, and this uh, purple belt, uh, I was a purple belt, and this guy, this Brazilian guy, I guess he was visiting, and um, he, I was probably about 180, 185 pounds, and this guy was maybe about 210. He was jacked. He was Big solid. Boy. Yeah, he was, he was in good shape. So, I saw him rolling real hard. Was he a high belt as well? Yeah, he was a brown belt. Okay. Yeah, I was at my purple. So, he had responsibility as well. He should have a responsibility. You would hope so, right? Yeah. You know? So, we're getting ready to go with one another. I see him. And I noticed that he was rolling a little bit hard in his previous rounds. But he was rolling hard with lower ranks. Could you feel it? Could you feel the energy? Oh, yeah. I could feel the energy. Yeah, most definitely. So, he asked me to... And me, I'm I'm feeling in pretty good shape. I was still uh, I was still kind of competing. Okay. So I, I kind of I, I love I love good tests. Sure. You sure. Know, I love good tests. You know, um, I think it's important to go with uh, different bodies from from time to time. You know, that unpredictability is is what keeps your sh- your sword nice and sharp. Right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, you know, we started doing the round, and when we're getting ready to do the round, you know, touch hands, and he's doing this like, you know. This, jittery thing where he's like looking like he's getting ready to go for a double leg and he finally shoots in for a double and, and it turns into a single and I'm hopping on one leg and he's trying and he's trying and he's trying and he's all over the place he's going from one end of the room to the other end and I'm hopping over people at this point I'm trying to make sure I don't hurt him <laughs> and 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 there might be a couple of breaks in the motion and I'm kind of looking at John I'm like and he's kind of like looking in my direction too and he, he has a small smirk 
He has this very so slight, yeah, he has a little smirk on his face. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, fuck. I'm just sitting there, boom, 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 breaking grips. And then all of a sudden, I kind of, it's like a bad switch went on. Like, it went from jujitsu straight to judo immediately. <laughs> I break his grips and we're disengaged. And then now I start to lower my base and I start walking forward in a cautious but aggressive manner. And I start giving it to him. And he had went crazy on me for the first 30 seconds, 45 seconds, looking for a takedown. Just trying to take the leg off. Yeah, yeah. But, you know... You know, being a judo player, not to toot our own horn, balance is what we do. Yeah. So, maintained my balance, stayed standing on my feet. He never took me down, and then you could see that he got tired. Mm-hmm. And then I started to impose my will on him. And then it was just like a throw after a throw. <laughs> so it was a throw into a submission, foot sweep into another submission. You know, just one after another after another. And at the very end of the round, John is like, time! The guy's like, damn, are you a judo black belt? I said, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to tell him. I was like, listen, you know. And, and you know, it's, 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 and he was a little bit older than me. But, you know, I, you, you, when, you, when you're a little bit older, when you're younger and you're talking to someone that might be older, a lot of the older guys, don't, they don't like to hear when somebody younger is giving them sure, yeah, constructive absolutely. criticism. You know, yeah. like, I'm the young, I'm usually the young guy amongst, amongst a bunch of black belts, but they don't realize how much time I have in the game. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, for me to have 20, what, 28 years, 29 years doing judo, I've, I've been exposed to quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've learned enough to know that uh, there's certain things that you do and you don't do in the gym. Or else, you know, people are going to look at you and they'll be like, either I'm not training with you or you're going to have that one monster in the corner saying, hey, you yes. want to go, bro? <laughs> you know, like, I see what's going on over yeah. here. I see you, I see you, beat, you come in, you come into the gym and you're acting up and yeah. you're, you're beat, you walk into somebody's home and you start trying to terrorize people. Well, come try that shit with me. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so you, someone has to sit there and say something, you know, or do something, I should say. Do you think <laughs> it worked on him? Do you think it had an effect on him? Uh, well, I'm, you I'm, hope so. Uh, yeah, I hope so, you know. <laughs> but, you know, not everybody wants to hear that. You know? I feel like you, I mean, Obviously, I'm talking from a lack of experience, but I feel like, would you see that more in jiu-jitsu than you would in judo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely, you know. You see it, you see it quite a bit, you know, and, and, and I've seen it a lot when it came to, uh, begin, you know, beginners. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it uh, between, uh, from that range of white belt to blue, um, white belt to purple, where people are, you know, they, they're curious, mm-hmm. you know, the, they start searching and they start being a little bit more aggressive because they've learned something. Mm-hmm. So they want to sit there and work on that as much as they possibly can. So they're tense, they're chaotic, they're they're sitting there putting everything, mm-hmm. all their might, and there's no finesse that comes with it. Yeah, the finesse comes later on because they're now understanding their um their identity in the sport mm-hmm. or their identity on the mat. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is my game. I play very well off my back. I'm going to sit there and work this. Oh, I play deep half. I'm going to sit there and work this. Oh, I like taking people's backs. I'm going to work this. I'm going to practice on this. So that comes later on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you first start doing jujitsu, you're sitting there, you're still trying to figure out the puzzle. Yeah. You know, you first start out, you don't know what's going on. So, you know, it's going to take quite some time. And the ones that are trying to figure it out from white belt to purple, Mm -hmm. those are the ones that are... You know, you have to pay close attention to. And I, I had to learn that from another white belt, actually. She's, I remember this girl saying, white belts must be dangerous. I said, no, the black belts are dangerous because they know what they're doing. And then it hit me. She says, white belts must be dangerous because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I was like, she's right. She's right. Mm-hmm. Because the ones that know what technique truly is, they'll yeah. know when to apply pressure and when not to apply pressure. Right. The white belts don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and I've seen I've seen it happen in gyms where guys would walk in, and I remember seeing a guy getting kicked out, because um, he had watched a YouTube clip or watched some <laughs> UFC video of someone getting caught with a guillotine and lifting them up, and he yeah. did it on a girl. Oh, he did it on a woman. I was like, this guy just tried to do a standing guillotine yeah. on a young lady, someone that's 
you know, easily 30 pounds, 40 pounds yeah. lighter than he was. I was like, I don't know in what world, whether you do judo, jujitsu, judo, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You yeah. gotta go. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can't think to yourself that was okay for what you did. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then some, there's some guys out there. That's that, abuse. Yeah, that's abuse. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is training. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not getting a medal after this, you know what I'm saying? And I've also seen situations where blue belts were, were like, oh, she went hard at me, so I went hard at her. Come on, guys. You know? Like, <laughs> like I was like, what's sense. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to make sense when you're doing this stuff, you know? No, I agree. And sometimes, sometimes, like, technique works better, like, on a hard belt, because, like, again, you're playing the sport rather than someone who just comes in and they're just trying to fight. Yeah, you know? You have, I think that's the beauty of doing jiu-jitsu, too. Um, you can play... If you go with someone that may be a little bit crazy, yeah. it requires you to truly have a sense of uh, emotional intelligence and not letting your ego get in the way. Sure. Okay, this person's going crazy. I know they're a white belt. I know they're inexperienced. I'm not going to sit there and terrorize them. Yeah. You know what? Let me just take his back and I can hold him here. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, let me put him in side control. Let me just knee on belly. Let me just work on mount. I'm going to keep him there mm -hmm. instead of saying... Oh, this guy's acting crazy. I'm about to put this dude in the heel hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's tear this guy's knee up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so, you know, some people are like that, and some people don't know how to accept the fact that, yo, I'm sorry, bro. Listen, this is how you did the round. This is how you learn. This is how you get better. Try and relax next time around. Yeah. You know, you can have that conversation, but people don't care to do that anymore. It, it becomes a little bit more of a selfish act. Yeah. You know? All right, hey. Things get out. Is that you want to ask the last question? Yeah, just so got one last question for you. Of course, of course. Yeah, we asked this question to all our guests. What advice do you have for anyone who's trying to be a black belt in life? A black belt in life? Something I'd say every time, and you probably can hear it over and over and over from every sport, from every business model. Accept failure and learn to move on from it. You know, that's going to be the number one key to being able to be a black belt in life. Because if you don't know how to accept uh, the chaos, what tends to happen is it will drive you crazy. And that chaos is, is necessary for you to grow. Being put in uncomfortable situations is going to help you understand who you truly are. You know, some people cower away after something bad happens, and then you have some people that use uh, that failure as fuel. You know, if you don't learn to accept that uh, failure and that chaos, mm -hmm. you're only gonna set yourself up for a failure, you know? So, you know, there's, there's just far too many, uh, and I'm, I'm a guy that believes in stories mm -hmm. and uh, listening to people. Um, you hear far too many stories of great people, you know, going through all these horrific 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 experiences and they still manage to come out on top is because their mind has been shaped around the idea that there's still a breath in their body that they can still accomplish something great in their life so that's the only way that can work you know like I like I always say like I I I don't trade anything mm -hmm. you know like you know like I said I don't consider myself an Olympian sure I'm an Olympic alternate mm -hmm. but the the doors that have been opened for me over the last few years um, have shaped me you know my, the failures have shaped me to become who I am today and mm -hmm. it's led me down a amazing path that's you know should you know help me meet my wife and you know help me open this business and allow me to meet guys like you guys you know and um, you know, get sponsorships and meet a lot of amazing people like from a John Donahue, George St. Pierre, or Henzo Gracie, you know? Like, I needed those failures to, to allow me to become who I am today. Mm -hmm. So, that's a good thing, you know? Failure is a good thing. Failure is good. Yeah. It's only failure if you give up. It's only failure if you give up. That's yeah. right. Uh, it's a lesson. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Gary. Yo, it's my pleasure, yeah, man. I wish, you, I, I wish you guys nothing but the very best, man. Keep keep working hard keep chasing everyone chase them till they are tired of seeing you okay <laughs> yes, all right sir. all right guys it's a pleasure
Hey, yeah. we'll, we'll, we got, we had, yeah, we could ask questions for all, no, we can record an intro later. But. Yeah, yeah. Nah, we could ask questions all day, so no, no, we'll do another one another time. Hey, that'll be my yeah. pleasure, guys.